Good. We're going to hold you to that now. You've declared it. As we were singing, oh, we're building a strong family. We're doing a whole lot of series on the one another's in the Bible. Have you clicked on that? You can actually do a study on the one another's and it, it, it contains everything that we've been talking about. And we're going to do a, another one this morning. If you just put the Galatians up, Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But before I go into that, I just want to bring uh, something for someone here this morning. As we were singing, our God is a way maker. You're the way maker. It reminded me that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I had this sense that Jesus goes ahead of each one of us, preparing a way for us to go in. But some of us are finding life really tough, and it's repeated difficulties. And I feel God is saying, could it be that you're actually going in the wrong direction? In relationships, in habits, in things that you are attempting and that you're going for, or you're giving yourself to, could it be that God actually wants you to turn away from that direction and go in the way that he has prepared for you. That doesn't mean to say there are not going to be difficulties, but he will provide for you on that road. His grace, his blessing, his mercies. I think that some of us need to change the direction you're walking in, to follow the way that he has prepared for you. Okay, so think on that one. Let's go back to Galatians 5.1. It's for freedom. Hang on. Put it back. Thank you, Chris. I was trying not to do that. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. What has Christ set you free from? You can call out. What? Fear. Great. Anything else? Addictions. Anything else? What comes springs to mind? Sorry? Illness, okay. Sin. What's sin? Oh, it's a very biblical word, isn't it? Skin. It's doing things that are wrong, that don't agree with the way that God has for you to do. It's, it's not putting him first in your life. That's called sin. Okay, that's my definition anyway. What else is... Co- yeah. uh, death. Hallelujah. Okay, it's just a gateway. I did a funeral this week and it was a great time of celebration because that person knew exactly where they were going because they believed in Jesus. What other things? Guilt. Guilt. Hallelujah. Shame. Lots of things that we can think of. And I hope you're overflowing with what God has saved you from and you're really, really thankful. But what's he saved you to? What are you free to? Joy. Anything else? Eternal life. Eternal life. Wow, that's a biggie, love. isn't it? Sorry? Love. love. Free to love. To be loved and to love. Anything else? Abundant life. I've come that you might have exceedingly abundant life. More than. What a great God we serve, isn't it? Hallelujah. I'm so glad I came to know Jesus 50 odd years ago. And he more like he came and took hold of me, okay? 
Lots of freedoms. But we're free. You can put it up now, Chris. Okay, Galatians 5, 13, 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Isn't that wonderful? We're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, to sin. Okay? Rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this command. Love your neighbors as you love yourselves. We've been set free to serve others. We have been saved and set free to serve others. And in serving others, we are actually connecting to the purpose of God for our lives. Over the years, I've been approached by numerous people. Pray for me that I might know what God's purpose is for me and his calling in my life. And here we have the answer. This is the calling and purpose for every believer. Serve others. Hallelujah. Set free to serve others. What is God's purpose and plan for each one of us? I've said it, to serve others. We have been saved and set free to serve others. In serving others, we are connecting to the purpose of God for our lives. If you're not serving in some way others, then you're not connecting with the purpose of God. Amen? And that word for serve in the Greek means to be a slave to. It's, it's really, I mean, this is demanding stuff, isn't it? Really challenging. What, I'm called to be a slave to one of my brothers and sisters, one of my neighbors, to be a slave to them? Oh, no. No, I don't want that. But Paul addressed believers who were still slaves and also those who were free in Ephesians 6, verses 7 8. Serve wholeheartedly, and he's talking to slaves, as if you were serving, not your master, but you're serving the Lord. Not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So it's addressing Slaves and free people, you are to become a slave to serve other people. It's tough. Note the promise. Note the promise. The Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do. The more we serve others, the more we will be blessed by the Lord. Yeah? Have you ever experienced that? There's a guy called Billy Bray, okay? He was always smiling and singing and shouting praises to God. He says, I was born in the fire and I refuse to live in the smoke, okay? Often we lose the fire, don't we? And we live in the remnant, the smoke. But God wants us totally to live in the fire. Well, he was, Billy Bray was, have you ever heard of him? Hands up if you've heard of Billy Bray. Good. Good, the older generation. Sorry, Naomi, I've included you in the old... Young lady, sorry. I've included you in the wrong generation. Amen. Well, he was born in 1794. I was not around then. He was a rough, tough, fighting, drunken, thieving, blaspheming Cornish tin miner. And then he encountered Jesus and was gloriously set free and transformed. And he was renowned 
for his generosity. And when asked how he could lead so generous a life, he replied something to this effect. God shovels it in, and I shovels it out, and God's got a bigger shovel than I've got. We cannot outgive God, but we can stop the blessing by not being those who give out sacrificially to the one another's. Think on those things. And it will come across that, that promise as we go through the scriptures. As I was thinking of this subject I was given, I immediately thought about the miracle on the River Kwai. Okay, and this is a scene from, has anybody ever seen that film, Bridge Over the River Kwai? Alec Guinness starring. It's an interesting film. Okay. But uh, recently, who's that guy who, who does the, the guide on the railway? Tortillo. He was on this rail. It was called the Death Rail Day, Railway. A book was written which was called Miracle on the River Kwai by a guy called Ernest Gordon. He was a British army officer who was captured when he was at sea by the Japanese at the age of 24. And he, along with many other British Commonwealth and Asian captives, were sent as slave labor to work on the Burma-Siam railway line. The Japanese were constructing it through the dense Thai jungle and swamps for they were planning to invade and use it in the invasion of India. And under the most severe and inhuman conditions, 80,000 men died building that railway. 393 deaths for every mile of track that was laid. And he writes in his book, as starvation, exhaustion, and disease took an ever-increasing toll, the atmosphere in which we live became poisoned by selfishness, hate, and fear. We were slipping rapidly down the slope of degradation. Men lived like animals, and hate was the main motivation to stay alive. It was a case of I look out for myself and to hell with everyone else. But something, Gordon writes, was astir in the prison camp. Something that he would later call the miracle on the River Kwai. Stories began to circulate around the camp. Stories of self-sacrifice, heroism, faith and love. One such event shook the prisoners. Japanese guards carefully counted tools at the end of every day's work. And one day, the guard shouted that a shovel was missing. He walked up and down the ranks, demanding to know who had stolen it. When no one confessed, he screamed, all die, all die. And he raised his rifle to fire at the first man in the rank, in the line. At that instant, a man stepped forward and said, I did it. The enraged guard beat him to death in front of all the other prisoners. Later that evening, when the tools were counted again, the work crew discovered a mistake had been made. There's no shovel was missing. One of the prisoners remembered the verse, greater love have no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. We know that's from John 15, 12 through 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. 
greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Has no one than this. Note the words, my command is this, to love one another. It's not a request. It's not a piece of advice that you can choose. It's actually a command of Jesus that we should love one another. Okay. And this is totally lived out by Jesus. He is a fantastic example. The more I learn about Jesus, the more I marvel at the Father, at the Son, and at the Holy Spirit. Amazing gospel that we have. Amazing relationship that is on offer to us, that abundant life that the sister referred to. Wow, what a God we have. Hallelujah. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's a tremendous extreme of service, isn't it? To lay, literally give your life that others might live. There are many extremes of service that we can lay our down lives for to one another. But also there are simple ones as well. And I was reminded of Mark, Matthew 10, 42. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Okay? It's not difficult to do. Giving a drink to a brother or sister or someone who needs help, reaching out in just a little thing, and you see the promise again. They will not lose their reward from the Father. The service in the tea and the coffee They're going extra. They're not just giving us water at the back. You can have water if you want. But they will not lose their reward. The queue to serve at the back starts here. If you want to volunteer for the team, please do. There should be a great queue. Because as you serve, so you will be blessed. The, The vacancies in the children's work and the youth work should be being filled Because we'll be blessed when we serve. We don't serve to get. Okay, we serve because of the love of God in us. But God delights to bless us as we serve. The same for the guys with the befrienders in the debt counseling center, the job club on a Tuesday evening, needing people to come just for a few hours to be a befriender, to come and help in those situations. There should be cues of people there because we all want to be blessed. And God promises a blessing as we serve. Let's look at a scripture, John 13, 1 through 17. Okay. I'm going to read it to you. It was the first scripture I really thought about when I was given the, the, the task, the pleasure of preaching on serve one another. And it's, it's when Jesus In the last few days of his life, he did this. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. 
The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? I, I, uh, sorry. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, the promise again, you'll be blessed if you do them. There's so much truth in this portion of scripture. I'm only going to touch on a few of the things. The first thing that strikes me is Jesus, in washing the disciples' feet, is showing them the full, the complete extent of his love. That's quite an amazing statement by washing the disciples' feet. What was going on? I call it the upside-down kingdom of God. It's just the opposite of everything that's in the kingdom of this world or the kingdoms of this world. Jesus had already said it to his disciples who were constantly vying for position and status. Mark 10, 43, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, must be your slave. So the first thing, in complete humility, Jesus laid aside all his status, his position as Emmanuel, God with us, as mighty God, as the Alpha and Omega, the King of Kings, their teacher and their Lord, and taking off anything that might hinder him, that outer cloak, his symbol of his position as a teacher. He became a servant and washed his disciples' feet. That is an enormous thing, that the mighty God came and took the place of a servant and washed the disciples' feet. He turned the order of this world upside down. Jesus totally smashed the hierarchical, if I can say it, systems 
of this world. What an example for us. What a saviour. And he came and he washed my feet. Hallelujah. And he continues to wash our feet. Point two, Peter tried to stop him. But Jesus said to him, if you want to be in a relationship with me and have a part of me, you've got to allow me to serve you. If we are to serve, we need to be served by Jesus. We need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and allow Jesus to serve us in order that we might be set free to serve one another. There can be no, I don't need any help. Leave me alone. I can manage on my own. I'll do it my way. Famous song, isn't it? A nice tune. (laughs) Nice singing, but totally wrong. I did it my way. Yeah? In coming to Jesus and allowing to serve us, we discover our value to him, how precious we are to our Heavenly Father. I I really pray that sometimes the, the sun would stop still and the time would not roll on. Jesus said it was able to serve because he was totally secure in who he was in God. He, had, he knew his identity. He knew who he was. He knew his relationship with the Father God. He knew his purpose and calling, or if you like, his mission upon earth as God with us. Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And out of that security, he was truly free to truly serve. The first thing in our description, I thought, security of the believer and sets the believer free to really serve in the way that God has for us to serve. And I, I was asking myself these questions. Am I in a place of security in God that I'm free to serve as Jesus served? Am I agreeing with God who I am in his eyes and the place I have in his heart? Perhaps those are questions that you could spend some time asking with God. Am I in a place of security in God that I'm free to serve in the way that Jesus served? Am I agreeing with God who I am? Am I agreeing with God the place that I have in his heart, the delight, the motivation for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place? Even when I was rejecting him, God went to that cross and died because his love was so pouring out. For God so loved the world, he gave Jesus to die on that cross. Wow. Hallelujah. Am I agreeing? True humility is agreeing with God who you are and agreeing with God is the beginning of your security, is your security. Another question, do I know that his purpose for me is to serve others? That, that's, that's it. That's, that's everything. The purpose of God, is it that I know it's to serve God? Perhaps we each need to take some time in the coming days and think through those things.
just very quickly some pointers to help us in that conversation as I just very briefly compare self-centered serving and Jesus-centered serving, or a mixture thereof. Okay. In putting this together, I've drawn on teaching by a lady called Danielle Strickland, who's a Canadian preacher. So you put that table up. Self-centered serving out of insecurity. You may, and I indeed might recognize some of these in me, okay. And we're generally a, a, a bit of a mixture. Yeah. We, ser- we serve others out of a need marked by seeking to please people in order to get approval. And we use manipulation. We use people to get a sense of satisfaction and self-worth in our lives. We look to control them in order to get the response we're looking for from them. Yeah. Jesus-centered serving place of security from security in God who meets all my needs is the starting point for being free to serve. God meets all my needs. Yes, he might meet it through people encouraging me and thanking me, but God is the source of all my needs being met. He's my security. To get love. Oh, how many people are pursuing relationships in order to get love? And it's repeated when those relationships fail. We can serve from love and not for love and because I know I am loved. And we can enter in relationships because we know that God loves us completely. And there's a security in that. And it will improve those relationships, I tell you. To get worth from worth and because I know I have worth. To find purpose, knowing I have purpose in God. Next one. Only those, we serve only those we think are worthy. Knowing that I'm serving God and he is worthy. Only if our serving works for people, that they respond. Only if they're thankful, only if they change will I serve them. You know, we have some interesting times in food bank. Okay, and you can get very frustrated when lives don't appear to be changing. And you think, oh, what we're about here. Well, we're serving is the work God's called us to. I'm thankful that I can serve. And I'm changed through serving. Okay? I'm not saying that we've got to be perfect before we begin to serve. Because as we begin to serve, as that last thing said, we are changed. And we become more like Jesus. And as we serve and grow under disciples of Jesus, and with the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit, we are changed and our service will become more impactful. Do you remember the illustration that Josie put up of the circles? I love this. I thought it was really, really powerful at the beginning of the series. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. When we believe in Jesus and he comes to live in our hearts by his Holy Spirit, we start a journey of transformation. And I've illustrated, there's me and God and there's, a, there's an overlap 
okay? And I've, put, I've added to it, sorry Josie, you'll have to look at it later. I've actually added a chair which represents the throne of our lives. With, and the cross represents Jesus. And when Jesus comes into our lives, he dethrones the ego, the selfishness, the self-centeredness that's on the throne of our lives that controls us. And Jesus comes on the throne. And we begin to reflect Jesus to the world. And then as we get to know him and as we begin to align our lives with his plans and purposes for us, as we begin to be changed, begin to repent and turn around and go in different directions, more and more there's the overlap. And then finally, we're getting more and more like Jesus and more able to represent him out into the world. I struggled in my life. I've been 50 years a believer. And I tell you, my encounter with Jesus was really radical but life has its ups and downs and your relationship with Jesus sort of goes from one degree of intensity to another okay and self-confidence was something I really struggled with and as a pastor I really wanted to be accepted by my peers and I really struggled when I couldn't get that acceptance from them and I'm I tell you I'm much more comfortable now who I am in Christ than I ever was. But it took a journey. And it's, I'm still on that journey, by the way. Okay. And I'm aware that I said I'd finish. So come on up, Helen. But there's a, I've challenged a lot this morning. I want you to take it away and get before God and have that conversation with him. Okay. Am I serving? others. Helen, you take it up from there.